Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. Um, as we're starting 2024, I wanted to do a solo podcast and update you on a few topics. First thing I'd like to mention is this podcast will talk about suicide, the suicide of a trans Latter-day Saint. So a trigger warning, that will come towards the end of the podcast, and I'll give you another heads up about um, that section of the podcast. But this podcast does talk about suicide. If you're I'm thinking about suicide, have a plan, please call, text, or chat 988. Strong people get help. Uh, this podcast will focus on um, um, the direction of the podcast for 2024. We're going to do less episodes, and I'll talk about why. I will give a personal update, just sort of my personal journey. I'll give some of my latest thoughts about LGBTQ people. Um, that's based on Jacob 5, the allegory of the olive tree and the vineyard. And then I'll conclude with some concluding thoughts, including um, my testimony of why I stay in a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. said a prayer before we started, and I hope this podcast is helpful for you. I've spent um, probably a month kind of put organizing my thoughts so I could share this in a coherent, coherent thoughtful way. Um, we have, as you know, have done over 700 episodes since we started in 2018, and we've had over 7.5 million downloads. The core of the podcasts are LGBTQ focused, but we've covered a variety of topics. You can find all our podcast index at listenlearnandlove.org. This is a self-funded labor of love. My podcast guests are the heroes of the podcast. They bravely reach out and share their stories so that we can improve as Latter-day Saints. My emotional guests tank to be present for all my podcast guests and all the people that reach out to me needing a safe person to talk about the realities of their lives, and I hope those people continue to do so, is very low. It was low when my YSA assignment as I transit and as I transited this space, and I haven't found a way to sort of fill my gas tank back up probably compassion fatigue. So I need to find better balance in my life to both improve emotionally so I can stay in the LGBTQ space. I considered suspending the podcast, but felt impressed to continue, but to cut back and focus only on LGBTQ stories. There may be some exceptions to people I've already agreed to have on the podcast and perhaps some down, some down the road. It's kind of hard to turn down um, podcast guests that I've gotten that aren't LGBTQ since I've made this decision. There's some really brave people that are willing to talk about their emotional health, um, solving addiction, and I'm grateful for the other platforms that hopefully give them a chance to share their story. Um, I do want to continue to be available to speak to LDS audiences, such as Stake and Ward Firesides, Fifth Sundays. Institute groups, BYU classes, local support groups. Most of the time when I'm asked to speak, I'm asked to speak on how to better support LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. But at times I'm asked to cover other topics. I was honored last year to be the keynote speaker at a multi-stake YSA event talking about Jesus and making him the center of our lives. And will be a keynote speaker at an upcoming stake women's conference. When I'm asked to speak out of Salt Lake area where travel expenses are involved, I pay my own travel expenses. I'm glad to do that. This is a labor of love. I've also done a few Zoom firesides in further out areas of the United States and even in other countries. 
and glad to continue to do these. I will add my email to the show notes if you'd like to explore having me speak. As you know, we are studying the Book of Mormon this year. I've been, and I love the Book of Mormon, deep testimony of the truthfulness, the principles in the Book of Mormon and doctrine. I've been thinking a lot about Jacob 5 and the allegory of the olive tree and the Lord's dealings with the house of Israel. Since meeting with hundreds and maybe over a thousand queer Latter-day Saints, and I'll start to use the word queer more um, because younger people are using that as an umbrella label to describe anybody that's not 100% heterosexual and 100% cisgender, just an umbrella label. Anyway, I'll often look to scriptural insights to better understand and support queer members. I'd like to share some of these on the podcast. Concept number one is the vineyard. Um, Most LDS scholars indicates this is the world, so there would be lots of things in the vineyard. And we might assume um, that LGBTQ represent the the world um, and not part of the house of Israel. Um, Gentiles that represent the wild olive tree. I used to think that way. Um, I used to think of LGBTQ people as another group of people. But then, as I've shared before, when I was a YSA bishop, I had a couple gay men opening open up, and I was forced to figure to leave my part of the vineyard and go to another part of the vineyard, symbolic of where latter LGBTQ Latter Day Saints are living. And I talk more about my road to be an ally if you want to hear that in episode 686. Anyway, when I went to this other part of the vineyard, do you know what I found there? And I get really emotional. I found more of the house of Israel. Branches of the tame olive tree. But their goodness, commitment to our heavenly parents, desire to follow Jesus and the uniqueness of their journey is largely shielded from our eyes. My wife and I have been to a few vineyards in Jerusalem, and they have been on the side of hills full of olive trees where we had to move around to see all the vineyard. If I just stay in my place at the vineyard, I'd fail to see our heavenly parents' full work to create beautiful vineyard and my responsibility as a Latter-day Saint. Concept number two, gathering of Israel, and I've talked about this before. It's taking a little sip of Water. President Nelson has consistently spoken about the gathering of Israel. When I think of this, I think of our missionary work to find people looking for hope, healing, um, that comes through our restored gospel. And I think of queer Latter-day Saints. They are Israel. They are a covenant people. Cleric Dalton, a gay Latter-day Saint on episode 727, spoke about if there is a need for a gathering, then there was a prior scattering. I've been thinking a lot about Clara's insights, and I agree. I've met with hundreds and hundreds, maybe a thousand, queer Latter-day Saints, and I recognize our words, actions, and uninformed opinions that caused a lot of figuratively scattering. A recent dramatic example was Adam. In episode 729, bravely shared his experience with conversion and electrotop therapy. It still has a testimony of the core gospel of Jesus Christ through our restored church. 
Almost all the stories I hear from LGBTQ Latter-day Saints involve feelings of being scattered because of unkind things said or done. Many of the stories I hear um, are shared with me via email or on social media via DMs are heartbreaking and don't result in a podcast episode. But I'm grateful for their courage to reach out and hope they will continue to do so. Most I've met with have by far heard more negative things about people like them in church circles and family circles versus positive things. I've seen this firsthand in my own elders' quorum, a terrific quorum, um, where the only two comments I've ever heard about queer people are jokes, one a gay joke and one a trans joke. I recognize my earlier self was part of the scattering as I saw LGBTQ people as another people, maybe like the wild olive tree that posed some veiled threat to my family and or my church and said thought unkind things. Now I see them as our people. And part of the reason I'm doing this work is repentance for um, my prior self and the things I thought, said, and did. I see them as our people, the tame olive tree, a covenant people pleasing to our heavenly parents, but a people figuratively in another part of the vineyard that need an outpouring of love, understanding, and support. We are known as a peculiar people as Latter-day Saints. Let's continue to be known this way for the way we lead as disciples in showing love, understanding, and support for queer Latter-day Saints. Now, there's probably some... LGBTQ people that do represent the world and the wild olive tree, but there's some straight people that represent the world and the wild olive tree. Um, but just sort of pinning it on a whole group of people feels intellectually unshallow, intellectually shallow and unkind and not consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ and what our leaders are teaching. Now, a personal note um, about serving in this part of the vineyard. Um, in all my prior church service, I served in parts of the vineyard where fellow Latter-day Saints saw the need for that service, and a church had a sport system, like fellow members of a presidency, fellow full-time missionaries when I was a full-time missionary, and a whole mission structure providing support, award family, and in other ways. Sundays um, were a chance for me to recharge as I partook of the sacrament, connected with my ward and felt the emotional support of my faith community. However, serving in this part of the vineyard, at least for me, is what without such support and at times comes with unkind, unkind comments and judgments from my faith community. Sometimes Sundays make me feel invisible. I recently attended a meeting. It was an excellent meeting focused on the need for senior missionaries, something I deeply support. However, there was no opening that members could be receiving personal revelation to build Zion in other ways, including serving in other less-known parts of the vineyard. It's not a single event that's hard for me, but the cumulative impact of this space since I started in 2016. Perhaps some of you allies have felt some of the same feelings. <clears throat> that said, I do have a support team led by my dear wife, Sheila, and my family. Um, with the encouragement of my wife for the last couple of years, I finally relented and followed her impressions and got a new dog, a miniature schnauzer. We named her Tilly. Um, I grew up with this breed of dog, but felt we were done with dogs when our kids left home. Um, but now we have a dog, and that is helpful for me. Um, 
I've even learned to cut the dog's hair after going to YouTube. And in some ways, there's a little bit of just therapy and having a dog and taking care of a dog that's helpful for me. Grateful for all of my wife's intuition there. I've also, on a personal note, taken up running again. I've been walking in the mornings and not running for about 10 years. Prior to that, I ran since my mission. Um, Last October, I was at the finish line for the St. George Marathon watching several of our kids and a daughter-in-law finish the race. I've run this race about five times, the last time at age 50 in 2011. And I look back the first time at, at age 21 in 1982. Anyway, I was talking with my friend Stan Hanks. Um, our kids, um, his daughter and our son got married and asked him if he could run a marathon, knowing he's a pretty good athlete and I think he's in pretty good shape. And he said no because of a prior leg injury. It triggered something in me to consider running again since I have no leg injuries. I went home and Googled, can 63-year-olds run marathons? And got the answer I already knew. I'm glad to report I can now consistently run four and a half miles at about a 10-minute mile pace and have done a couple of longer runs over seven miles. I'm blessed with no pain when I run. I enjoy running outside regardless of the winter temps early in the morning. It's partly a spiritual experience, um, but partly an emotionally helpful experience. Um, But I recognize that I put in longer runs this spring. There's no guarantee that I will remain injury-free and able to run the St. George Marathon in October 2024 which would be 42 years since my first one. We will see. Also regarding uh, my support system, I've received plenty of notes of supports for those familiar with this part of the vineyard. Often that's a parent, an LDS parent with a queer kid or um, queer Latter-day Saints, and they sustain me. And I'm grateful for these notes of support. I even have a little folder in my Outlook email, kind messages with that label. And listeners, on my darkest days, I'm reminding you that any pain I feel is nothing like most queer Latter-day Saints feel. And even those, even though this is a Latter-day Saint audience, I'm aware from emails I get at times that there's other queer Christians listening to this podcast. And what I say applies to you. And maybe queer people of other faiths. Um... Anyway, I feel my heavenly parents want me to feel some of this pain to create more understanding of and empathy for queer Latter-day Saints. And I recognize as an ally, I could symbolically leave this part of the vineyard, but my queer friends do not have this option. You queer Latter-day Saints are some of my heroes, in spite of the scattering comments that may occur in church and broader society, especially part of political polarizing rhetoric and not knowing when the next comment might come, they bravely move forward, developing Christ-like attributes and a commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ to help and serve others. They better see those on the margins and follow the example to help them feel included. Included. They bravely serve missions, some fully out on their mission, including their social media profiles. We are scheduled to have one of these missionaries on the podcast in February. Um, following his successful mission, and I'll read from his Facebook profile. I love eating. I love the outdoors. I'm a gay Christian, and most of all, I love Jesus Christ. 
full-time missionary of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Being a queer Latter-day Saint is not an ideology. It is a reality. President Nelson teaches, quote, I believe that if the Lord were speaking to you directly, the first thing he would make sure you understand is you're a true identity. My dear friends, you are literally spirit children of God. End quote. President Nelson explained, quote, that no identifier should replace, displace, or take priority of these three enduring designations, child of God, child of the covenant, disciple of Jesus Christ. End quote. I agree with President Nelson, but I believe some have incorrectly interpreted that th- this means not to label yourself as LGBTQ or queer. But he didn't say that. We have lots of labels of Latter-day Saints under these three primary labels around race, culture, etc. For example, we have whole wards or branches in Utah around culture countries like the Samoan ward, the Swahili branch. So erasing LGBTQ Latter-day Saints by asking them not to take on a label or talk about this part of themselves uh, may make us feel more comfortable that I believe it is inconsistent with our baptism covenants, with the mission of Jesus Christ to minister to those on the margins, and the words of President Ballard in April at BYU in 2017, quote, we need to listen to and understand what our LGBTQ brothers and sisters are feeling and experiencing. Certainly we must do better than we have in the past so that all members feel they have a spiritual home where they have brothers and sisters to love them, and where they have place to worship and serve the Lord, end quote. Further, we need to be careful not to buy in fear-based political rhetoric. In my lifetime, I've seen fear from some politicians and some political parties about the threat of others um, in kind of a veiled, abstract way, which is an effective way to create donations and voters but I believe is inconsistent with Jesus' message of love. Perfect fear casteth, perfect love casteth out fear. If your political party or faith community fills you with fear about others or the future, I suggest you need a different approach. I believe good policy is when we have fact-based discussions about our political differences without creating fear about others. An example of this is when we talk about they are coming after you. That fear-based statement doesn't say who or what the threat is. It, to me, feels intellectually shallow. The same with we are defending our religious freedoms. I agree we need to defend our religious freedoms. But when we talk about this, we need to talk about what the threat, about what is the threat and what specific religious freedom is being threatened. Otherwise, many Latter-day Saints may conclude we are talking about LGBTQ people, and my responsibility is to stay away this group, or to make extreme example, a more extreme example, give license to say or do um, unkind things. Renee Brown has a terrific quote about this. She talks about common enemy, en- enemy intimacy, and she talks about um, common enemy intimacy is the opposite of true belonging. 
If the bond we share is simply we hate the same people, the intimacy we experience is intense and an easy way to discharge our rage and pain. It's not, however, fuel for real connection. End quote. Powerful. And I've been guilty of common enemy intimacy when I sit in church sometimes and just bag on other groups of people. Jesus never did that. And I think as Latter day Saints, we can lead on having fact-based discussions without um, falling into sort of um, common enemy intimacy that just creates fear. Now I'm going to talk about um, a young man who died of suicide. And so this is a trigger warning. Um, If you're suicidal, you might skip this section. It'll be about three or four minutes. Um, Please call, text, or chat 988. Um, Dave and Cami Martin were on episode 631 and talked about their trans son, Levi Martin, who died of suicide. And I share this to talk about the impact of political rhetoric. Um, that wasn't the only reason this young man died by suicide, but part of it, and I'll read now from the obituary his parents wrote, and then I'll read one sentence in the suicide note that his parents um, so honored to have this. Levi Martin, age 17, formerly known as Emma, passed away suddenly at home in Lakeville, Massachusetts on Sunday, December 18, 2022. Levi is the child of Dave and Kimmy Martin. He was born Emma Rachel Martin in Montgomery, Alabama on March 19, 2005. Levi's gender was intersex caused by Sire syndrome meaning he presented it as female at birth, although he was genetically male. The result of this condition and the resulting gender dysphoria came with a host of medical and mental issues, combined with the social stigma associated with being intersex, transgender, and gay. Levi suffered immensely until the consistency of that pain became unbearable. His final message to us was full of grace, love, and forgiveness, as well as expressions of the vast difficulties he faced. And he signed his name, Levi, which we deliberately use in his honor, and ask that you do the same. I will always be emotional reading that obituary. And then as I read from his suicide note, um. Uh, just a sentence in a, about a three-page, a three-paragraph, one-page note. I am terrified of how society treats trans people. So I think of Jacob Five, and I think of um, a group of people that have been scattered to another part of the vineyard needlessly. I don't know that I think Heavenly Father wants us to do better and bring these people into full inclusion with our words and actions. The master of the vineyard, Jesus Christ, loves queer Latter-day Saints. And queer Latter-day Saints love Jesus Christ. He is their everything. His atonement helps them heal them from the symbolic scattering that is part of their lives, including the next unkind comment that might be just around the corner. I believe you are created as intended. 
No one should look in the mirror and feel they are a mistake and falsely conclude their heavenly parents are ashamed of them. No one should feel shame for who they are. Shame is one of Satan's greatest tools to separate us from the love of our heavenly parents and the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't believe that changed church teachings or church doctrine. It just puts everybody on the same moral footing that they're created as intended and that no one is a mistake. About a year ago, I reported a, recorded a podcast for younger LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. Um, as they face these forks in the road, are they going to be um, in single for the rest of their life? Are they going to be a mixed orientation marriage? Are they going to be a same-sex marriage? And I just recorded a podcast. That's episode 566, if you want to hear more of that. Um, one of the things I'd like to do in closing is read from a um, couple um, emails and maybe a blog post from Queer Latter-day Saints. One is from a current missionary that's serving in the United States, and I'll read two excerpts from his weekly email. Um, the first one doesn't have anything to do about his journey as a Queer Latter-day Saint. It was just a very thoughtful email about personal revelation that I thought was helpful for me and perhaps would be helpful for you. This is from November of 2023. Quote, I used to think revelation came only when, when our knees were on the floor, when our heads were in the scriptures, when our feet were in the pews. If revelation didn't come in those, those moments, then oh well, better luck next time. Or worse, I would think it, even, it wasn't even worth it to do those things. I have come to realize I was thinking about revelation wrong. It doesn't only come when we're doing spiritual things. Instead, revelation is more like fishing. Those spiritual things we do, read, pray, go to church, are how we cast our line into the water. But once the line is in the water, a fisherman doesn't reel back his bait if he doesn't get a nibble in a few seconds. No, he waits patiently for the fish to come. Likewise, I found that revelation doesn't come immediately after casting my line. And instead, it comes as I go about my day. It comes in unexpected ways or from unexpected mouths. It often comes when I'm not actively seeking inspiration in the moment. During those small and spirit, simple spiritual things is about putting myself in a state where I'm open to the Spirit and receiving revelation throughout my day. But casting my line is not all I need to do to receive that revelation. After I cast, I need to stay next to the fishing pole. Yes, I go about my day, but that spirit that brought into my soul from doing spiritual work, I carry with me. I live in such a way that I don't leave the spirit, leave my pole, so that when I'm prompting does tug at my line, I'm ready to reel it in. This week's, after months of casting my line, I had some special opportunities to do just that. End quote. Here is the, from the same missionary currently serving. Um, he's completely out as a gay Latter-day Saint. This is his um, email excerpt from October of 2023. Quote, and this does talk about um, difficult, uh, the difficult experience at times being a gay Latter-day Saint. Quote, general conference this last weekend was full of heartwarming messages of the hope and love that Christ extends to his siblings. There were also some messages that started to fill me with anguish about how I fit into Christ Church as a gay Latter-day Saint. 
In the wake of conference, I've sought out moments of peace to ponder and process what I heard. Today, I had the opportunity to sit out on to sit outside on our porch and witness a substantial storm rolling through town. This storm is a rarity. Storms in this part of the country are few and far between and don't last long. Today's storm lasted hours and hours. Sheets of rain fell from the heavens with water rushing across the streets, creating ponds and streams where this morning there had only been dust. Accompanying this rainfall were deafening crashes of thunder rippling through the sky, thunder that rumbled through the air and the ground, shaking your bones and rattling your heart, thunder that caused even the earth itself to convulse and quake from its awesome power. Throughout the scripture, these thunder and storms have often told to represent God's anger. That is understandable considering the raw power that such tempests can bring. I wonder, though, if that interpretation is entirely accurate. As I sat and took in the storm, I was contemplating and giving space for some of the pain I have recently felt that have been surfaced by General Conference. Pondering and sitting with this pain, I felt the loud crux, growled cracks of thunder from the sky roll through my body. I had the thought that maybe thunder isn't God's anger. Maybe it's actually God's mourning, specifically God's mourning over the pains of his children. When this thought came, I knew it carried truth. Not that a storm necessarily little means, literally means God is mourning. We know storms are natural phenomena resulting from a number of factors, including uneven heating of the Earth's surface. But that a storm carries the profound metaphor of the intimacy and the degree which God feels our struggles and pains. In every drop of rain today, I felt God's tears. In every roar of thunder, I felt God's mourning, his wailing, his weeping over my pains. He feels such anguish that it makes the entire world around me tremble. If there were any way God could take away our pains by still giving us the necessary growth to reach our divine potential, he would. And when there is no way to do that, he does the next best thing. He weeps with us. End quote. These two excerpts are. Um, from a missionary, I assume 2021, perhaps we'll have him in the podcast in a year or so in his home. But just the spiritual maturity, um, that's true of all of our um, younger LDS, um, (laughs) younger Latter-day Saints generally. They're more spiritually mature. We just had a farewell of a a missionary, extremely well-prepared for his mission. Um, but I also think um, perhaps LGBTQ Latter-day Saints know personal revelation, know the Savior, because it's not just theoretical, it is life-saving. And they've had to figure this out because the church, friends, family may not have all the answers. And they take President Nelson to heart when they say, hear him. And they develop this personal revela- personal relationship with our Heavenly Parents and the Savior as so illustrated from these two excerpts from this missionary. In closing, I've talked about how LGBTQ Latter-day Saints are symbolically in another part of the vineyard where we don't see them, but I want to be clear, they are next to us. In our families, congregation, works, and social circles, 
they're hearing and internalizing everything we say about queer people. My hope and dream is by far the majority of the things they hear will be positive because I believe that is our heavenly parents feel about them. That's consistent with my own feelings that I used to think about LGBTQ people as just another group of people, and now I just see them as our own people. And we need to do everything we can to help and support them. Um, it's a Sunday, and I came across a blog post, and I'm going to call this young man Spencer. This is a public blog post, um, but just um, so I assume he would be fine using his whole name, and perhaps we'll have him on the podcast. Um, but just, you know, he's a gay student at BYU, and let me just read a little bit of his brave pod, brave um, post as coming out gay. On my mission in Sapporo, Japan, I went through a lot of hard experiences with myself trying to figure out what this all meant for me. I also grew close to my Savior, Jesus Christ. I know 100% that he is right here with me every single step of this journey. He's been with me at my lowest points, and he's helped me to get to my high points. I'm grateful for this for this difficult yet spiritual experience I've had on my mission that brought me closer to my Savior than ever before. Without the strength I receive from him, I'd be lost and surrounded by darkness. Then this next blog is after, uh, section of his blog is after his posts. Um, this is after he started to come out. I had one of the most spiritual experiences in my life. It was when I actually prayed and asked Heavenly Father how he felt about my feelings of being attracted to men. I had always assumed I knew what he thought about it. I thought he was disgusted with it. And it was something I needed to get out of my life. However, when I actually asked him, I was filled with love so pure and powerful. It was overwhelming and life-changing. I learned that my Heavenly Parents loved me for who I am that I was meant to be gay for a reason, that I am not a mistake, that no matter what my look, life looks like, I will be okay and loved by them. And um, that doesn't change church teachings or church doctrine. It just normalizes um, heterosexual people are going to have feelings at times for People of the opposite sex and same-sex people are going to have feelings at times for people of the same sex. And the church teaches that feelings are not a sin. Orientation is not a sin. And I love this young man's personal revelation to ask God how he feels about him. That's one of the things I really encourage LGBTQ Latter-day Saints, um, to ask God how he feels about them and learn how our Heavenly Parents feel about you. That can be so helpful to take out the internalized homophobia. You may think just because society and our church culture at times says negative things about you, that that gets internalized. And I get that. Um, but our heavenly parents may feel very different about you. Um, I'd just like to um, make a comment about the proclamation of the family. And I'm recording this in a room and right across the door is the proclamation of the family that hangs in our home. It's a document that the doctrine in there I sustain and support and believe in. 
Um, and it doesn't answer how to be gay and LDS if, unless you feel your path is a mixed orientation marriage. It may just remind you of what's not possible in your life and being powerless to change it. And that in itself may lead to suicidal ideation. And so I just think as we mature as Latter-day Saints, we can talk about the proclamation that way at times. It is our doctrine, marriages between man and a woman. Um, but just like um, so many of my guests have said, I don't know how to make that work in my life. Um, the proclamation, even if you choose to be celibate, doesn't say how to make that work. There's not a support system in the church. There's not a program. Um, so I just think as we mature as a church, we can recognize that. So sometimes on social media, I'll still see someone just say, well, the proclamation of the family answers all questions for queer Latter-day Saints. And I perhaps thought the same way, but now I recognize it's more complex that way. And um, when we say we're all playing by the same rules, I agree with that. Um, but that assumes everybody's coming from the same um, foundation and queer Latter-day Saints are coming from a different perspective because they're not um, heterosexual. And by definition, then it changes the possibilities in their lives. Um, and we talked about that a lot on prior podcasts. Um, sometimes allies ask what they can do in their circle of influence to support. And my advice is do what you can do in your circle of influence. If you are a parent, you can introduce this topic um, just using church resources um, so your kids are exposed to this topic. It doesn't make your straight kids queer to talk about this, um, but it may make, um, if you happen to be blessed with a queer kid, that that kid will come out to you earlier. If you're creating a family culture that's loving and accepting, which is what I think Jesus did in his ministry, one of the best things we can do as parents is to create a culture so that our kids will open up about the reality of their lives. Um, sometimes people compare this to pornography. Pornography is something you have to try and leads to a bad outcome. Um, being gay isn't something you try to become gay, and it doesn't lead to a bad outcome. So that's something we've talked about in the prior podcast, but I think it's just good to say kind things about people um, that are different than us so that our kids will open up about the realities of their lives. And if we're a local leader, that people that we have stewardship responsibility will open up to us about the reality of their lives. But that comes back to what you can do in your circle of influence. Just do what you can. Um, don't feel obligated to start a podcast or write a book or do something grand. Just work with God to fall, find what you can do in your circle of influence and be at peace that you may not be able to do everything. And you don't have influence. Um, we just don't have influence beyond our circle of control. Um, I'd like to just share a testimony um, why I stay in the church. and. Um, I, my prior testimony, I would go through kind of a checklist of, I know the church is true, I know the Book of Mormon is true, I know Joseph Smith is a prophet. And I still say and believe all those things, but I've kind of gone a step further for me. I've thought, well, what does that mean? And that's the marketing side of me getting into features and benefits. And so a, a feature of Joseph Smith as a prophet is we have unique doctrine that came through 
the restoration. And that unique doctrine is the plan of salvation, heavenly parents, better understanding for um, Adam and Eve and, and what they did in a positive way in the Garden of Eden, better understanding of the atonement of Jesus Christ and other book of scripture. So those are kind of features of the restored doctrine that came through the prophet Joseph Smith. And then the benefit is the sort of the aha part of my testimony. All that brings peace, hope, and healing and context for a sometimes brutal mortal world. And it helps me understand I'm in the middle of a three-act play and it's not fair. And um, But if I look at the totality of that and understand our plan of salvation, and I chose um, this plan, and likewise everybody else on the earth chose the same plan, then that gives me peace, hope, and healing. Um, that's my core testimony, is the restored doctrine that came through the prophet Joseph Smith that's unique to our Christian faith. Now, I read a post from... Um, we have a son working th- that has scrupulosity. I've talked about that in prior podcasts. I've joined, a, there's an Instagram account at BYU called the Real OCD Club. And um, the vice president of finance posted about his, um, his name is Josh. And I'll just read this, mental health victory moment. I used to be so afraid that I would leave the church because I didn't know without a doubt it was true. But as I built a healthy relationship with uncertainty, I learned that faith is beautifully intertwined with uncertainty. Even if I don't know for certain, there is power in choosing to believe and act accordingly. I want to reread that sentence there from Josh. I learned that faith is beautifully intertwined with uncertainty. So, Our son was scrupulosity. I drove with him um, cross countries. He's taken a new job and he talked a lot about just scrupulosity. And um, that's um, something he's been able to find hope and healing. And uh, once that was diagnosed, he was exposed to exposure response therapy, where in the case of learned scrupulosity, just like in the case of washing your hands, you learn to live with sort of the uncertainty um, and know that you know, thoughts, intrusive thoughts are coming to your brain and know that your hands at times may not be clean, but you learn to live with that. And that's the exposure response therapy. And we were talking about his testimony of the church, and he's a great testimony of the church, but he says, he says, I've learned to live with uncertainty as part of this whole process and not knowing every aspect of the church and not having an I know the church is true testimony of every aspect of the church. And some of you do have that kind of a testimony, and that's great. But some, like me, are learning different tools to manage the complexities of church history or current issues and learning to live with uncertainty. Um, there's even a book called The Sin of, the Sin of Certainty. Um, and we all just have different Christ-like gifts. I believe it's DNC 76. Some are given to know, some are given to believe. So um, I think we need to normalize all kinds of testimony types as Latter-day Saints, be kind, because behind each testimony may be somebody equally committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, commandment-keeping, reaching out to others. So I hope this podcast is helpful you in the show notes. I'll, I'll link to a couple of things. I'll link to my email, um, which I mentioned earlier. I will link to my bio. If you're not familiar with me, it's papaosser.com. You can just read my bio, and I will also link to a Facebook group 
That's we have about three thousand in there, just fellow Latter Day Saints, um, wanting to do what they can in their circle of influence to support uh, LGBTQ Latter Day Saints. Um, it's not based on if you're straight um, or LGBTQ, like a lot of Facebook groups. It's based on purpose. So we have allies and LGBTQ people focused on what can we do to improve things. And there's a lot of support groups, content, Fist Sundays, people bouncing ideas off each other. There's no church, you know, general support group, but a lot of bishops and Relief Society presidents and institute teachers want to produce content consistent with church teachings about how to minister to LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. So there's a lot of resources there in the file section, a lot of people starting support groups, a lot of mentoring to people who have been allies or doing support groups for several years, um, helping people wanting to do this first time and navigating this. And so if you're interested, you could join that group. It's in the show notes. And um, thank you for joining us. Looking forward to 2024 doing less podcasts and being in a more sustainable way. And thank you for your prayers and especially for LGBTQ Latter-day Saints as we work better as a faith community, love, support, see, and understand them because they are Zion. They are Israel. And as I've read from that missionary letter, they have insights that we need um, to help us grow as a faith. And I say this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And thank you for joining us for another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. <laughs>